Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Colleen. So Yo! I, I, I faked out Kyle there. Threw me for a loop there. You faked out me too. Thought I was going to be cool, but no, that's all, that's all right. <laughs> How are you, Colleen? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Bummed out now. <laughs> and that was Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, second but not least. Well, actually, Jesus, you are least. Kyle Bradford. Yeah, there's nowhere else to go. You're sick. I'm here, here, I guess. Yeah, I am sick. I feel like I've just been having the worst winter in terms of uh, health, fitness as well. But listen, I'm here. I'm doing it. You're prepared. Hell yeah, King. Uh, I don't know if I'm prepared, but <laughs> I'm here. It's all good. Your 2020 resolution was to not miss an episode of Case uh, Reopened. Uh, no, no, that's not my resolution. <laughs> it is starting today. <laughs> you guys just wait. How's that for a binding contract? Listen, I got I got uh, a lot of uh, things to go steal, apparently, according to the community, so. That's true. That is very true. My double life. So we're going to kick off with episode 83. This is the... First episode of season three of Detective Conan. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Is it season three or four? Four. I might be wrong. Season four of Detective Conan. Doesn't time fly, Kyle? Just think. Like, feels like just a month ago we started doing this dumb podcast. Now we're on the fourth season. Oh, I don't know if it's been flying, but. <laughs> <laughs> Only like 20 more to go. This is sarcasm. Yeah, we almost are done with the whole series. Flying by. So, this is the General Hospital Murder Case, episode 83 of the show. And this originally aired December 1st, 1997. In our. 97. What a year. It was a year. That was a good year. How old were you in 97, Kyle? (laughs) In 97? Yeah. I was four. Damn. I was playing like Final Fantasy VII. Just like you'll be doing in a couple old? months. Yeah. Cyclical time. I didn't get it, but I thought it was cool. Did you steal it? Don't laugh. Don't fucking yeah, laugh at me. It? I was a baby. I don't think a four-year-old counts as a baby. Fuck off. Jesus. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm just saying... <laughs> I don't think you understand age in babies. You're right, I don't. So the canon's hint is coffee. Yum. Who doesn't love coffee? Who doesn't love coffee? Well, I don't drink coffee. What about you, Colleen? Yeah, you neither drink do coffee? I. No. Wow. Just you, Kyle? You guys have really just thrown me under the bus here this episode. <laughs> You're the coffee lover. You guys are really going to fuck me like this. <laughs> I was going to stay silent, but, you know... I <laughs> no coffee fans. I see how it is. Not wanted here. <laughs> how do you like your coffee, Kyle? Uh, it depends. Sometimes you get gross coffee, so you need to sweeten it up. But I like black coffee usually. What's your thoughts on cold brew? Uh, it's yummy in the summer. Okay. Yeah, I can dig you it. You say so. You don't like cold brew? No. 
But I don't like coffee, so. That's fair. The only coffee-tasting beverage I can uh, tolerate is what we call an ice cap from Tim Hortons. Oh, some fucking Canadian fucking shit. Fucking Tim Hortons. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like... What about a Jamocha shake? Pardon me? What was that? <laughs> what about a Jamocha shake? Yeah, I still don't know what you're saying. That shit's fire. I'm just saying. You don't know what a Jamocha shake is? Is it like... Tyler, back me up here. I don't know what it is. Jesus, <laughs> fuck. You guys have fucked me this whole episode. <laughs> Y'all need to go to Arby's. Explain what the Jamocha shake is. It's a coffee chocolate flavored shake. It's really yummy. Okay. 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 Kind of similar to what I was talking about. Just a different name. No, no, no. It's This is not Canadian. No, no, no. <laughs> the teaser for this episode is that today's case takes place in a general hospital. Uncle Maury is the murderer? Nani? <laughs> murderer? Murderer. Episode begins with Kegler waking up in a hospital bed and saying that he's bored. Conan explains that it's been three weeks since he was admitted to the hospital and that he fractured his leg while confronting a criminal. We get a pretty funny flashback where Conan has to save Kogoro by kicking the villain with a nearby soda can at him. And, uh, what do you think about Kogoro getting injured in the line of battle here, Kyle? It doesn't make any sense. I thought he was a, a pro-karate man. Yeah, but even he can get injured. Do you know how many times athletes, saved by a child. athletes get injured all the time? Tearing his ACL on the on the gridiron. Old Uncle Maury. Hey, but now we know why Kogoro didn't even make an appearance in the two mix episode. That's true. But like, if you if you hurt like okay, if you fracture your leg, do you have to stay in the hospital for that long? Well depends what happened. I feel like you'd be able to go back. Like go home. Did you need surgery? But three weeks, and then he's, th- th- this episode spans that's like true. another week, so it's like a whole month. Yeah, that's true. That's a long amount of time. Maybe he just wanted some rest, you know? Some he wanted long. some peace and quiet from Ron. <laughs> he doesn't get that either, though. She shows up. <laughs> I found it funny that even when it came down to a physical altercation, Conan has to specify that he was the one who took out the criminal. So Kogoro couldn't even win in that department. Nurse brings in his meal, and Kogoro then complains that he'd rather have a beer. She then says that all the nurses have been talking, uh, sorry. She then says that all the nurses have said that they want a chance to meet the famous sleeping Kogoro. And, uh, Kogoro's really excited by that. He says, the angels in white coats are talking about me? And then we see a white coat come in, and it, but it's a doctor, not a babe. So it's very, it's an old Japanese man. Disgusting. Not hot. It's a good joke, though. This is not my fetish? Nope. <laughs> the doctor's name is Shirai Mitsuo, and he says that there's many useful things that Kogoro could teach him. However, another doctor named Ito Katsutoshi comes in, and he warns Kogoro not to be used as a guinea pig by Shirai, and jokingly says that if he's killed, then Shirai will have been the murderer. Ha <laughs> He definitely won't get killed, huh? Funny joke. <laughs> nope. Gotta love it. It definitely won't be Shirai. Ito then laughs and walks off, and Shirai explains that while Ito is an excellent surgeon, he's always mouthing off. That sounds like me, Kyle. That's like my work, like... It does. 
when you have the the yearly review. So people say that you're good at what you do, but you just won't shut up. Yeah, they say this guy's a fucking asshole. But God damn it, he's good. That's surprising. That's surprising. What, that I'm good? Yeah. <laughs> Later that night, Ken and Aran are about to leave when Shirai arrives and offers Kogoro some wheat coffee. He then asks to hear about Kogoro's cases, which gets the detective to instantly start bragging. Conan then watches as the doctor pours packet after packet of sugar into his coffee and remarks that he's quite the sweet tooth. Then cuts to Kogoro waking up, wondering where Shirai is, then seeing a murder, murder outside his window as one silhouette stabs the other. He grabs his crutch and tells the nurse to call the police as there's been a murder. What do you think about this shocking scene, Kyle? Just dude getting stabbed. It's pretty rad, because, like, uh, Kogoro just jumped into action right then and there. Also, like, the way that he was able to walk super quickly while on an injured leg really just lends credence to the idea that his leg is totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, this man has been in the hospital for too long if he's able to move around like that. (laughs) He's just running. (laughs) He tries to run to the room where he saw the murder take place, but when he gets there, it's empty. The police then arrive and say that they can't find any corpse. Ito then walks in and starts arguing with Kogoro, saying that nothing ever happened. Shirai then arrives and calms everyone down, telling Kogoro that he seemed extremely tired earlier. The police then leave, and we see that Kogoro saw the scene repeatedly over the course of several nights, but every time he rushed into the room, it was empty. Colin, what do you think of the murderer's attempt to kind of, like, psych out uh, Kogoro here? I thought it was really sad almost because he's totally just trying to manipulate him and get him to think that he's going crazy almost. Like the first murder that Kogoro witnesses, that was a shock. But then when it started happening over and over again, like I, at least I thought to myself, okay, this is just somebody um, totally wanting to mess with Kogoro and use him in a time when he's vulnerable. So I was kind of sad for Kogoro. Yeah. What if they just wanted to see this dumbass, like, trying to run, run with, with his, his crutch cane, yeah. every night? Then I think maybe it was Conan that was behind it. <laughs> After the fourth call to the police, Ron arrives back at the hospital and is worried about her father. He swears that he saw the murder occur, and Shirai says that it's likely a stress-induced hallucination from him, being exposed to so many murders. So I like, I like how they're... There's some cool stuff about this episode. I like how they're bringing in the, like, oh, maybe it's just PTSD. You're having all these uh, murder-induced flashbacks. Kegra argues with the doctor, but Ron restrains him. Conan then goes in search... Wait. Conan then goes to search the crime scene, and he finds a recent stain on the floor. He mentions that it was raining on two of the nights that Kegra said he witnessed the murders, so they must have had the window open. Conan then looks outside the window... And that's where he spots an unused room with no curtains. And that's where he figures out the case. If the lights are turned on in that room at night, the window will reflect it onto the black backdrop of the building like a mirror. The reflection just happened to reach Kogoro's room. although he So he didn't actually see where the murder was taking place, but rather the reflection of it. Interesting, right? This was a neat Thrilling. trick. Pretty <laughs> silly. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Conan then sneaks into the storage room and he finds a dummy that was used in the act. Conan then wonders if it's just a prank or something more devious. 
He then decides to stay with Kogoro that night, and Shirai gives Kogoro a drink before bed. Conan doesn't sleep, though, and he sees the reflection occur once Kogoro's alarm goes off. He tells Kogoro it's no hallucination, and Conan runs to the storage room rather than where Kogoro goes. However, there's nobody in the storage room, and there's no evidence that the dummy was used. Oh no, he's been had. Conan then rushes to the room that Kogoro ran to, and he finds the detective unconscious next to Ito, who's been stabbed in the back with a knife. Kogoro did it in the room with a knife. Yup, it's a clue. Bum, bum, bum. Police arrive, and Takagi reveals that there were two stab wounds on the victim, the second of which, which had no signs of vital reaction, meaning he was already dead when he was stabbed a second time. Meguri asks Kogoro what happened, and he says that he feels as if somebody hit him. Shirai then arrives and says that Kogoro likely killed Ito. Way to throw him under the bus, man. He says that Kogoro has been under stress lately and has been hallucinating, and that he was worried that such a thing would happen. What did you think, Kyle? Did you think Kogoro had snapped and actually killed a man? Yep, that was my first conclusion. This is how the show's ending. Kogoro's going crazy, and uh, that's it. <laughs> no more sleeping Kogoro. <laughs> sleeping Kogoro is now gonna a have to use Sonico every single episode now. <laughs> oh, that'd be badass. Conan tells Meguri that he also saw the murder occur, but Meguri says that a child's testimony would be found unreliable in court due to the likelihood of him covering up for Kogoro. The detective then mentions that his memory has been fading at times, and it's possible that he did commit the murder during one of these blackouts. So I really liked... That's hilarious. Yeah, I love how they bring up that Conan's been just completely using this poor guy, knocking him out at every opportunity. And so he has these like seeds of doubt built in from what Conan's been doing, and it all resurfaces here. And I, I just love that aspect of the case, and I love them kind of playing into... Kogoro's insecurities and just his mental state. I thought this was such an interesting way uh, to differentiate this episode from really anything else because they don't really bring it up that much. Right. Yeah, it almost feels like this episode is dealing with something like uh, on the, I don't know what you would call it. Like it doesn't feel like just a random episode because of that. It feels like they're trying to address something pretty serious, even though it's just, you know, Oh, whatever thing. So now that you mentioned random episode, um, I wonder, Kyle, can you guess if this is a manga story or an anime original? Oh, uh, oh god, uh, is it, is it a manga? No. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! I'm wrong every yeah, time. That's what makes it so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> you tried your darndest. <laughs> Ron tells her dad to pull himself together and to stop talking nonsense. Meguri then says that it's impossible that the murderer was an outsider, and he asks Shirai about an emotional argument he had with the victim. Shirai says that he was in his room when the murder occurred, and that he had a nurse named Akita bring some clinical records for him at the time. She says that Shirai was on the phone at, during the time of the murder, but talked to her. Kony then asks Shirai about the phone call, and at first he's like, ah, nobody cares but he's pressed on it by the police, and he says that somebody called him anonymously to complain about his work. Meguri says that Kogoro is the likely suspect, and Kony remarks that Shirai's alibi seems perfect. 
He then investigates Shirai's room and finds out that he has a hands-free phone. He also notices that Shirai didn't use any sugar for the coffee that the nurse brought, and Conan figures out the trick and says that Shirai is indeed the murderer. However, he doesn't have any evidence to prove that. He then tells an investigator to take a look at the coffee cup, and after he does so, Conan now has evidence that proves Shirai as the culprit. Really didn't have much of a, a scene here of him, like, deductioning. He, he was a very quick, like, yeah, that's true. he just walks into a room and he's like, figured it out. Okay. Yeah, pretty anticlimactic. Well, they only had, like, one episode, so, like, 20 minutes to cover the story. So I figured Conan just figured it out really quickly in his head. Conan then knocks out Kogoro and he tells Megury that it's starting again. Megury tells Shirai not to worry as this is his signature pose for deductions. Kogoro then explains that the first part of the plan was to make himself have a mental breakdown so that everyone, including himself, thought that he was the murderer. The key to this was the dummy in the storage room, which was reflected onto the south building that Kogoro saw. He then called the victim to the scene of the crime at 11.30 and committed the murder. To make sure Kogoro witnessed this, he opened the curtain in Kogoro's room, gave him a specific amount of sleeping medication that knocked him out, and then set his alarm clock for the time of the murder. That was all super suspicious, too. Like, the first time he opened the curtain and Conan was like, hmm, like, you could tell that was going to be part of the trick. So I like that they kind of made it really easy for us to follow along with it. So maybe that was why there wasn't a lot of deduction also happening, because maybe they were like, okay, the crowd, the audience should get it by now. Okay, maybe I'm just an idiot then. That's not what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, you're not supposed to laugh at that part. Once Kagura arrived, he was knocked unconscious with a blunt object and had him grip the knife so that he'd leave fingerprints behind. Shirai starts laughing, and Kogoro accuses him of being the killer. Shirai mentions his alibi, and Kogoro explains that he had used a cell phone. After 11 o'clock, Shirai used the phone to call his cell phone, and then he put it on hands-free mode. The bastard. He then went to the scene of the crime, committed the murder, and when it turned 11.30, he used the dead body to act out the fake murder once more, but with a real body instead of a dummy. He then That's where the second knife wound came from, Kyle. Get it? Splat. Did he really need to stab him a second time, though? Doesn't that seem unnecessary? Like, I feel like you can pretend to stab somebody if you're just looking at a silhouette. I don't think you actually have to stab him a second time. Seems like a... Maybe he's just, like, really in character for the rehearsal, you know? Yeah, just... He's got to be there. He's got to believe it. a bit much. Yeah, he didn't believe it the first time. Shri then used the cell phone to have a conversation with the nurse and then knocked out Kokoro once he got into the room. He then returned to his room and ended the call. However, there was one miscalculation, which was the coffee that the nurse brought in, as the sugar wasn't used as he didn't actually drink the coffee. Shri says this is ridiculous and that sometimes he doesn't use sugar, and says that he did drink the coffee. Kogoro says that there's something missing, which is his fingerprints on the cup. He says that he rinsed the cup, and Kogoro says there are fingerprints on the handle, but they're not from him, they're from the nurse. That means that when he rinsed the cup, he was using surgical gloves that he had on for the crime because he was still carrying the blunt object with him as he couldn't risk leaving any fingerprints. Gasp. Evidence irony. Love it. Shirai then admits to the crime and laughs that the gloves he wore to prevent any evidence from being left behind are the very things that left evidence behind. 
Maybe that's when I should have said that. <laughs> I love that. Evidence irony. <laughs> Just as good the second time. He says everything is as Maury said, and that the hospital's head surgeon is retiring next month. Both him and Ito were up for the position, but Ito had been pressuring him to refuse it via blackmail. Ito knew that Shirai only got into medical school through a back door because his father was the professor that he bribed. Kegura then says that shows that dishonesty in crime don't pay. Yeah! God, Conan's so stupid. <laughs> I hate him. You think he just like writes out these quotes at night? Like, I'm going to use this one the next time. <laughs> He's got, like, a notepad. <laughs> After the ending song, we see Kogoro wake up, and he screams that he just can't take it anymore, and that the sleeping Kogoro is going out of business. However, once Ron explains that he solved the case, his demeanor does a complete 180, and he says that the sleeping Kogoro is still going strong. An annoyed Conan then remarks that he's had enough of this old boomer. <laughs> Kogoro is a boomer, damn. So, Colleen, what do you think of the episode? I really liked the case. I thought the doctor's trick was um, simplistic, but well planned out. And when I say simplistic, like, don't get me wrong. I was watching the episode and was, like, following along with what Conan was explaining. Sort of, like, the multi-layered steps that the doctor had to take to pull this off. Uh, but then when I thought more about it, it was just, he was just repeating certain actions. And relied a lot on uh, Kogoro actually following along with this plan. Like, the first time Kogoro witnesses the uh, the fake murder, there was no there were no sleeping pills or no alarm involved. So he just kind of sprung up and then happened to have witnessed it. So, I don't know, maybe I missed something, but it seemed like it was pure luck that Kogoro even saw the first one. But still, I thought the... I really enjoyed the trick, and I thought, like, even though it was an anime original, uh, it was a pretty good start to the fourth season. Yeah, I really like the psychology, like, focus that the episode had. Trying to trick Kogoro, you know, mentally, rather than fooling him with a, you know, just not false evidence and stuff. Leave it to a doctor to do that. Kyle, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Tyler. I really uh, gravitated towards the psychological approach of the episode. The idea that it wasn't just some rando villain... Uh, trying to set up like one of his friends for another murder but it was him actively using Kogoro against him and touching on this aspect that you know maybe some fans have probably been thinking about for a while how sleeping Kogoro seems to be like easily exploited so I thought this was really cool also a fun way to just make something you know that seems as though it might have some sort of impact but because Kogoro as a character is just unwilling to change ever like you know it, it doesn't have any do you think this guy planned out this murder in advance, or was it only uh, a thing once Kogoro was hospitalized? Because, like you guys were saying, it depends a lot on sleeping Kogoro, kind of using his reputation and all that. So do you think he might have already thought about this, or was it really like, okay, Kogoro's in the hospital, I can use him now? Yeah, since Kogoro was spending like five months in the hospital, <laughs> I think he cracked open the... <laughs> this plan yeah. while he's there i agree so we get a preview for the next episode which is a two-parter the ski lodge murder case and the next conan's hint is heater yeah hot hot at the ski lodge okay warmth 
And Karen says that next time the story will be divided into two parts. Wow. One part, one oh, part, one part. Yep. They get a little song. We're not going to try that again, are we? No. <laughs> it didn't work the last time. <laughs> yeah, we're not good at that. No more musical numbers after. We can't live up to what Steven did last week. <laughs> <laughs> after he sang a full two mix song, I figured we got to retire the the musical numbers on here. That's okay. We never did our cat's number, but that's all right. Probably better off that way. Yeah, exactly. And then instead of a second Conan episode, we actually have a little special presentation here. We're going to be taking a look at the short story, Wait For Me, which is from... <gasps> What'd you gasp? No, I was <laughs> in excitement. exciting. Did you watch the wrong episode? No, no, no. I watched it. <laughs> okay. You're like, God damn it. I, I watched the one with the mini detective. Ah, No, I watched all of them. <laughs> you were you weren't sure which one we were going to cover, so you just watched them all. I mean, I liked it. So, this comes from Gosho Oyama's collection of short stories, which is a special that aired March 17th, 1999. And a little background on the story, uh, wait for me, it was originally published in Shonen Sunday as a manga in 1987. Uh, so, this predates canon. But in the anime version, they hit a few references to canon. I don't... Did you guys spot them? Did you spot any of the characters coming? Yeah, there were a few cameos. There was, uh, well, do you want me to go through them now? Yeah, yeah, if you know. So, Ron, there was a girl that was designed like Ron in one of the classroom scenes. Uh, Professor Agasa, uh, I think he was like looking out the window or something, and there was a Sonico lookalike, and even a Kogoro lookalike, but with no mustache. Did I get them all? Do I win? Uh, there's also a kid that kind of looks like Genta. That's right. Who, uh, helps, uh, the who helps the guy carry out the mattress. That's right. Like a older version yeah. of Genta. Man, just Good imagine. Eye. Good eye, Colleen. Did you see any of them, Kyle? I'm going to guess now. I caught Genta. Of course. Oh, of course okay. you caught Genta. Uh, I thought I saw Ron and Sonico, but like the thing, I just assumed they were All characters. the characters look alike. Yeah, right? I just thought, oh, they're just <laughs> characters that look like they are. So. Yeah, I mean, even the main character kind of looks like a slightly older version of Conan. He does. So, this starts off with a little intro, and it says, it's the Go Show, like S-H-O-W, Oyama Presents. And so, I found some copy for this terrible special that I I absolutely hated this copy (laughs) that they wrote. So, I'm going to read it. It says, Go Show Collection reveals the origin of the smash hit Detective Conan. Go into his world and we will show you seven romantic and exciting stories created by Go Show Oyama. Wow. And I like puns, so this isn't very good. You know, I'm going to stand up and say that they're uh, they're using Oyama's name disgustingly here. Oh, and what about you, Kyle? Well, because you call him a hack, like, every other episode. Oh, yeah, I still think he's a hack, but, like, I'm going to defend him over this. This seems a bit much. Oh, okay. Pokemon Go Shoyama. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm a go. So the special opens, and we see a banner that says, The 15-year-old genius Yutaka Takai will attempt to levitate yet again. Did you think we were going to see a magician, Kyle? Yes. Yeah, the beginnings of Kaido Kid. Were you disappointed that we didn't? Yeah, I thought it was something like that. But honestly, I liked what we got a lot more. 
We then see the dorky kid wearing a jetpack, and we see some news helicopters filming the attempt. He jumps off the roof of the school, and he actually disappears before he hits the jump pad below. Ten seconds later, he re-emerges, and his jetpack is working. And he gets called the Human Peter Pan. Everyone goes to celebrate with him. His little lost boys. We then learn that the device works with just two R6 batteries, which is the same as a AA battery. And Takai then looks at a girl that is standing behind the crowd, and they flash peace signs at one another. Truly the the sign of love and lust. <laughs> and victory. V. <laughs> also, we don't learn this girl's name for, like, half the special. Because he just calls her senpai the entire time. Uh, yeah, I guess it comes in a little later. I didn't even think about that. I don't know anyone's name. Oh, okay. This is going to work out well. Did yeah. you guys notice the batteries were Somi batteries? Yeah, Somi. <laughs> that was cute. I liked it. During the interview, he says that his accomplishment has nothing to do with age and that it doesn't matter that he's 15. Meanwhile, we see some soccer players menacingly looking towards him. Yeah, they're uh, Shinichi's soccer team. <laughs> he's actually a bully. Right. We get a title card, and we see Takai in the science lab after school, despite all the students being told to leave. The girl then arrives and tells him to leave, and this startles him, and he drops the vial that he had in his hand into a beaker, which then explodes in his face. We then catch the duo walking home, and she tells him to stop calling her senpai. She asks if they're going out together after school, which causes Takai to blush, and then he gets hit right in the face with a soccer ball. Just... A smooth operator he is. Baller. Get it? <laughs> See, now that's a good pun. <laughs> yeah. I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she asks if he's alright, and then the soccer hooligan remarks that he thought a boy genius could dodge that, but a brat will be a brat. Then says that a first year student can't be going out with third year girl. The girl, she kind of seems like Ron in this scene. Uh, she stomps on the hooligan's foot, then she cracks her knuckles, she goes to attack them, but Takai grabs her hand to stop her, and he says, tonight, at midnight, wait for me at the school's roof. He then hands the soccer ball back to the older student and says that he's truly an ace at soccer. While walking home, he says that today is the last time that they'll ridicule him. The girl then arrives on her bicycle and asks him what he said, since she didn't hear it the first time. Skips to them meeting at midnight, and she asks him why he asked her to such a place so late at night. And she goes, I got it. You want us to do pervy stuff together, huh? He then yells uh, that he's tired of being mocked for his age, and that they can't go out as everybody would mock him because of his age unless the earth was annihilated. Also, what a, like, fucking made-up problem this is, Kyle. That this dude's like, I'm scoring chicks that are too old. Oh no, I'm going to get mocked. That's true, yeah. This guy seems to uh, have his priorities out of whack a little bit. Yeah, he sucks. Um, Stop making fun of me. (laughs) Oh, I know, I'm just 15 and I'm a genius and I'm scoring hot chicks. Just leave me alone. Please don't mention me. (laughs) That girl's really sweet, though. He then says it smells nice and the girl reveals that the smell is coming from a plant that she's picked. Takai then says that he's finally finished his machine, and she asks if he plans on annihilating the world. <laughs> he says, no, of course not. 
but it will allow him to become her age and that his trial today already worked. It says that the machine isn't actually for levitation, but is a time machine. Uh, what? <laughs> time machine, Kyle. This is so, so funny. He just lied to everybody. Actually, this is a time machine. Why even go through the hassle of all of the first? Did stunt? it have a flux capacitor? It gave it me Back to the Future vibes because it has like the timer on it that looks pretty similar. Yeah, what? But like you were saying, why was there a why was there a demonstration of it or an experiment? Yeah, what are we doing when here? It was for something totally different. Yeah, what, what are you he doing? Had to, he had to test it. He had to test. Why it. are they the same machine too? Not only can it levitate. It's a time it's machine. Multi-purpose. Just uh, I don't know. This guy seems like a big old dork. <laughs> if you're gonna create one, why not create the other as well? In the same thing? Yeah. Seems like a, a bit much. What you want your time machine without a cool jetpack, or would you want the jetpack with a time machine? I want both, but like separately. Cause what if I fuck something up? I don't like your segregation. The segregation. I mean, even Doc Brown made the DeLorean fly for the second movie. So, See? I guess Damn. time Going travel with Doc Brown. That's a good point. Huh? That's a good point. Fuck. Y'all got me. Kai says that in today's trial, he went through a small time trip 10 seconds into the future. So now he'll go back two years so he can be the same age as her. He says that's dumb as wouldn't there be two of them in that instance. He then explains that the same person can't exist twice in the same place. It'll merely replace his 13-year-old self with his 15-year-old one, and it'll erase everybody's memory of him. She tells him that there's no way to know she'll love some guy. So I found this really important because there were, I mean, there's different rules in different time travel stories, so I think it was really important that they established this. I agree. It's always one of the, like, biggest trip-ups when you're dealing with time travel. Because then there's, like, a billion plot holes. Yeah, Exactly. Like, what rules, like, what are the boundaries that we're working within? Endgame sucks. <laughs> she tells him that there's no way to know if she'll love some guy coming out of nowhere, but he says that he believes in her. This guy's just way too confident. He's like, hey, I won your heart once. Cooler, older me, I got this, no problem. Right. I don't know if he should be that confident, though. Seeing what becomes of him in the future. Although, it would have been a different, different guy. It's true. He gets mad depressed. He's about to jump off the roof when he says he has to pee, so he just takes a leak while on the roof, like a cool guy. And uh, she asks if uh, it can also travel to the future as well. He says it can, you just have to put the F position uh, is on the right side of the dial. She then switches it on and puts the machine on. He tells her not to mess with it as it's dangerous, but it'd be nice if they were the same age. We then see her take it and leap. Telling him just three words, wait for me. Wow. Nah, I'm good. This chick's pretty stupid. Uh, it seems like a, a sudden decision. Oh, absolutely. But it's very sweet. It's I think it's coming from such a nice place. It's, it's like, oh no, I'll take that burden. But of course, yeah, like maybe she should have sat around to talk about it with him. Well, maybe he should have did the same when he was going to just go two years back, you know? Also true. I would have broken up with him if I were the girl. Like, out of... I've been like, no, 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 no. We're done. Out of all the reasons to travel through time, this is really like a... 
really unnecessary one. You know what this reminds me of, too? I'm sure we probably would have gotten to this later, but, like, this is, like, your name, right? Yeah, a little bit. Same story. Yeah, uh, is it? Same exact. You can't find me on this. <laughs> Tyler doesn't seem convinced. I could never convince Tyler of anything. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think what you were saying about, like, she's taking the burden on, like, I, I'd agree with that. Because obviously, uh, this guy, um, it's a big deal for him, this whole age thing and age mm. discrimination, if you will. So, like, you know, <laughs> she's displaying her affection by taking the burden on herself. And almost she's trusting him more to remember her and still feel the same way about her. That is true, that yeah. More than she trusted her younger self to develop feelings for him. So it's interesting. That's a good point, yeah. She was really trusting that her pussy was good, huh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> was that in your name, too? Oh, yeah. That's exactly yeah, what happened. She was like, this name. pussy's so good, you're going to remember it in years, no problem. You're remember this name. God damn it. We then see Takai walking home, and he's worried that he may have made a mistake in his calculations. He's contemplating the possibility of her going into the past when an old woman interrupts him. For a second, he believes it might be her, but it's actually just a granny saying he should be at home by now. Honestly, shocking. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. Like, I thought they were going to do one of those, like, uh, hard cut jokes. So it got me. The next day, he tries to explain the situation to her parents, but they have no recollection of her ever existing. He then notices that classmates are starting to forget about her as well, and he becomes worried that he'll also forget about her. He then does calculations and figures that she'll arrive in about two years. However, she doesn't know how to land, and she might crash into the ground at that point. He then vows to never forget her and writes hundreds of reminders not to forget Mamiko Abe in his room. He says, will I really remember? No, I believe it. I have to believe in my feelings for her. It's the only thing I can do for pussy that good. God damn. That's the abridged version. I'm just reading the, I'm just reading the translation. I don't. <laughs> That's exactly how it was. This is what I watched. This is what I watched. Yeah, I don't... Interesting sight. <laughs> yeah, I think I watched a different version. You know how those fan translations get. That's right. Yeah, this might just be a bad fan translation. I'm just going <laughs> off what I watched. I can't can't provide anything else other than that. Good right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> the next day, he runs into the soccer hooligan. He tells him that he heard Mamiko went missing and mocks him. She probably wanted to just to go because she was embarrassed from going out with a youngster like you. God, that's so fucked up. Yeah, he's cool. Possibly oh, murdered. Anime high school bullies are the same, I find. It's true. This really rem- felt like a Yu Yu Hakusho. Yeah, like uh, the guys who go after Yusuke at the beginning. Yeah, I was getting strong vibes. Yeah, same. Like they just irrationally insert themselves into other people's business. Like I don't even get what his motive Just to was. cause problems too. <laughs> like I have to honor, like save face for the third years. Like you can't date a first year. What's that? Kai, could you imagine that happening? Yeah. Yes. I mean, Look at you, you freshman. I don't know. There was no bullying at my high school. What about you guys? Oh, is that a Canadian thing? Nobody bullies. <laughs> I don't think so. Everybody's just cool. I think it's just like school. the decent 
human thing to do. I got punched in the face a lot in high school. Aw. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Some of them were pretty funny, though. How mu- How many of the punches did you deserve? Uh, Most of them? Two. Two and of how them many were sure. from Yusuke Urameshi? Nah, Yusuke and me were cool. Uh, it's the orange-haired guy that was always being a bitch. Kobara? Yeah. Kobara yeah. has a cat, gets though. really sad when Yusuke's dead. Yeah. Yusuke! Uh! <laughs> Sobbing like a little bit. was baby. actually really good. Thanks, dog. Because <laughs> I watched that episode earlier this week. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, wow. Yeah, voice was kind of spot on with the dub. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it really was. It was like you just played that episode, that one clip right there for us. You know, I do coke. Yeah, like this isn't like most of the time bar. we mock you, like when you made that door noise. <laughs> but like this was actually legitimate. Like, <laughs> it's because I'm sick. That's why. Yeah, that's why you you mashed his baritone. I get you. I got you. <laughs> this causes Takai to snap, and he punches the bully right in the face. A few moments later, we find out that her memory never existed, and she disappears from the picture on his desk. Even he forgot about her, and we see that he threw all of his reminders Yo, that why, he wrote who, away. Who does that? <laughs> why would you just be like, what is all this? And you take it all down, and you're like, fucking what? Well, maybe her name disappeared, so he just had, like, don't forget. <laughs> no, but in the garbage can, it still had writing on it. it yeah, was like, just like, what if it just said, like, don't forget? Like, what is he doing? This guy's a genius. Big air quotes over here. Right. He can create a time machine, but he can't again read a piece of paper that says his girlfriend's name. That's so true. He's a freaking idiot. Yeah, maybe that's what he had to do. He just had to, like, write, like, non, like, uh, proper nouns. Like, if he just said, hey, senpai is going to be waiting for me. <laughs> You know, and he'd be like, oh, okay, I guess I should do something. But he just think it's that soccer hooligan, like, oh, great, I'm going to get beat up. Also, again. he didn't, like, write down specific instructions. He just wrote down the date of when, like, she was going to reappear. Yeah, fucking ambiguous. Like, he didn't bother to be like, hey, you should bring out a damn jump pad on this day. Yeah, or it it'll ready. be in the courtyard of the school. Yeah, he really is not the smartest guy. The story then jumps two years into the future where a younger student wakes up to Kai and asks to have lunch with him. She then reminds him of what classes he has today, and he says that he's tired, so he's going to just go home instead. He then asks why she's always following him around, and she says it's a maternal instinct. This guy doesn't deserve either of the girls that he's got. Truly. Yeah, what the fuck is even happening with that younger girl? He's just being she's a dick. W- way too good for him. She's yeah. just totally into him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> oh, that's how that's how I was in my high school days, too, go. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not really feeling it. Too cool. Nah, I'm all right. Yeah, I got a girlfriend. <laughs> My girlfriend goes to school. Way. She's in another time period. <laughs> She'll be here. Yeah. Yeah, she's like two years in the future. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> the principal watches this goes down, and he says that two years ago he was a he was famous throughout the country for his genius. And he remarks how sad it is that he's now a slacker. Depressing. Walking home, the girl wraps her arm around his, and he tells her not to get so close to him, as he'd be in trouble if his girlfriend saw him like this. She says that he doesn't have a girlfriend, and that he has nobody but her. That is the funniest thing to say to somebody, by the way. 
Yeah. She thought she must have thought a lot about herself. You have no one but me, you dummy. You big dummy senpai. Oh, this is what I use I, on women, Kyle. I'm like, hey, you have no you don't one have a but boyfriend, me, Tyler. <laughs> you don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> no, you don't. You only got me. You don't have a boyfriend. You only have Tyler. You're just like that doctor from the first episode, then. Mind manipulation. Damn. Well, yeah, I nag them. I say, you're terrible. Jesus. And that just makes them want to get with you, Kyle. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's in books. Yep. Pickup artist. That's where I learned all my ways. Oh, God. Takai then says that she reminds him of someone, and he overhears a mom chastise her child named Mamiko. He repeats the name in his head and says there's something about that name, but he just can't remember it. It's like Batman versus Superman. Why'd you say that name? Mm-hmm. Martha? Mamiko. Mamiko? <laughs> What if that was in Batman versus Superman? <laughs> Mommyco. Fantastic. What's that name, Mommyco? While hanging out in his room, she asks him to see his first year math notebook as she has to study since she left school early. He opens it up and remarks how serious he was back then. He then finds a note to himself with the next day's date written in it. She then asks him to watch the stars tonight and tells him, Tonight at 9 p.m., wait for me at the high school roof. His words strike a chord in his memory, and he says he felt like he had heard it before. He then wonders what will happen tomorrow at 1442. The girl then arrives on the school's roof, and they look at the constellations together. She then brings up the Vega and Altair stars, the Chinese lovers that can only meet once a year. She tries to use this to cozy up to him, saying that they can see each other every day. But uh, he just gets up, and he's like, I gotta take a leak. Yeah, he was really feeling the moment. Yeah. As he's pissing off the roof, he explains that it's what fertilizes the ground below, which... Really good camera angles on this, by the way. We really get to see good stream action. Yeah, so on the Cometown subreddit, Kyle, Uh this guy's been... (laughs) This guy's been posting updates on the shrub that he pisses on outside (laughs) for, like, the past, like, year and a half. And I can tell you that it does not fertilize <laughs> because it's just the shrub scientific evidence. where he pisses on it. So yeah. this genius over here is actually uh, terrible. Yeah, he's killing plants. Wow, what a fucking... Piss is not helping stuff. What is his name? Uh, Takai. Takai. What a fucking asshole. It's never really explained why he started slacking off. He just got depressed. His girlfriend's gone. Well, he was only driven because people were mocking his age. <laughs> so without being mocked, he's just like totally cool. Yeah. He's just a cool dude. I have no <laughs> motivation for any of this. That's kind of like me. I, once I lost my motivation, I was just like, fuck it. You're a cool guy now. Yep. Running a Gather around. Tyler, cool guy, certified. Then ask her if... They had ever been up here before, and she tells him that he's confusing her with somebody else. However, he says that he hasn't brought anyone up here, and she says it must be deja vu then. Paramnesia. That's the word I learned from this today. I'm going to use it. (laughs) It cuts to the next day, and Takai is wondering if it really was just deja vu. He feels like he's forgotten something important, and wonders what is going to happen today. 
He then smells the same plant that Mommy Gail had picked when the younger girl yells for his attention from outside the classroom. After hearing her say senpai several times, he remembers him calling Mommy Gail that and asks the girl for the time. He only has four minutes left before she arrives. So he runs out of the classroom saying that he's going to the courtyard for a time travel experiment. How hyped up were you, Kyle? This is when shit starts getting real. It was cool, but I was so tired of hearing senpai. Like, I feel like this episode just <laughs> a billion times a second. It's just senpai, senpai, senpai. Like, I don't know if I can hear that word anymore. It's, it's senpai do out. It's true. I don't think we ever learned the name of the younger girl throughout this whole thing. Good riddance. It's according to the wiki, Yuri Shozawa. Yuri. You know what they say about Yuri? What do they oh, say? Nice. Though? I don't know. It's like porn or something? Yuri and Yaoi. <laughs> the teacher is shocked to hear this, but he celebrates it. A revival! The boy genius Yutaka Takai is reborn! I love that reaction. It was so good. He then tells everybody to go to the courtyard to help Takai with his experiment. How supportive. He then tells them to call the television people... He runs right past the younger girl, and we see the school staff celebrating as the number of students joining the school will double. It's uh, during this scene that we can see a little Professor Agasa lookalike. Kai grabs a jump pad, and several students help him cover. Uh, sorry, help him carry it to under the first year B classroom. The girl asks what's going on, and he tells her that she's finally coming back, his girlfriend. She's very confused by this ordeal, <laughs> and just stops chasing after him. <laughs> I think that's the right decision. He should have done this a long time ago if she, if he wanted to get rid of her. Yeah, just lose his mind. Just like, oh, my girlfriend's coming from the past. Yep. She's gotta here right go now. Away. I gotta get a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get Genta to help me carry it. <laughs> He tells them to hurry as there's no time left, and then there's an explosion right as they place it. As he fears that he was too late, he runs over and sees it burning, falls to the ground and starts to cry, cursing the machine that he had built. And he goes, if only I had built, if only I had built a jetpack and a time machine rather than making them the same thing. This could have been avoided. Right. Yeah, it could have. I believed it. I thought it was like, that was going to be a traumatic ending. I thought it was going to end in tragedy. We see the younger girl go up to him and she says, Senpai, your girlfriend's in front of you, isn't she? <laughs> Don't cry anymore. She's right in front of you. He looks up and he only sees the young girl. He laughs and tells her to stop joking around and not to say that. Fucking screams at her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> Then she yells, open your eyes, senpai. Such a machine can't possibly exist. She tells him to let it go. And that's when we hear Mamiko yell to Kai for flirting. The queen's back. Uh, from the ground, she says that she got really surprised as it was night and now we're in the bright day. And she says that she thought she was going to die. Takai then walks up to her and he smacks her. And we get our first instance of uh, domestic violence in the relationship. Plenty more to come. Was pretty taken aback, not gonna lie. Just straight up slaps her. I was surprised too. Like, maybe this guy's just a I bad wasn't. dude. I thought he, that's when I thought he was cool, finally. I was like, 
You know what? God, Tyler. <laughs> I feel like this guy knows how to handle women. Oh, God. He became the soccer hooligan. It's true. Yeah, he then calls her an idiot and says that with a single mistake, she'd be dead. The younger girl is shocked by that, that uh, his girlfriend finally exists and she starts to cry. She then starts walking away while Takai... Uh, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Good way to handle it. (laughs) Who really cares about her reaction? The girl then walks away and Mamako goes up to her and she apologizes to the girl. And the girl says, don't worry. I get every stuff quickly. So I'm glad for you, senpai. And then she runs off to cry some more. Uh, (laughs) Off to the next obsession. She'll be good. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of other senpais around. <laughs> there's a whole sea of senpais. <laughs> Mamika re- remarks that he really did wait for her and that he has become quite the man. Ooh. That slap really got her into it. She was like, Ooh, oh, God. The old, the old uh, Takai wouldn't have done that. She says that uh, she's not a senpai anymore, and then we get a still shot of them together as the uh, short story ends. What'd you think, Kyle? What'd you think of the slap? What'd you think of the, <laughs> the love couple? Uh, the slap was surprising, but I thought, all in all, this episode, uh, the short, whatever you call it, uh, very lovely. I liked it a lot. Very emotional. Uh, had its ups and downs, its twists and turns. There wasn't a murder, so I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> There w- could have been a murder. It's true. It was very close. <laughs> but uh, you can tell a little bit of uh, Goshoyama's like, style, um, or at least what I perceive to be his style, because I'm not an expert or anything by any degree. But uh, you know, the whole character of um, whoever that boy genius was, Takai, uh, his sort of quirks, how he's like an expert in a specific field, it seems very much like what Oyama does. So... Um, but like a precursor to what we are currently seeing. A lot of fun. I liked it. What do you think, Colleen? Overall, I really liked the story. I like a good time travel story as much as the next person. So this was right up my alley. And um, it was interesting, like the take on time traveling and how that affects people's memories. So I was very much into what was going on here. But um I could see how some people might have a problem with it. I'm not one of them. Like, I wasn't bothered by the message that's being conveyed. But I can see how someone else could think that um, sending, like, negative messages about age or even perpetuating ageism and how, like, rather than accepting differences, you need to change yourself. And to boot, Mamiko left her family to just even out her age with her high school boyfriend. So, um even though it was a sweet story, I understand how maybe that aspect could bother some people. It didn't bother me, though. Well, her family probably sucks. True love's probably more important. Right, right. That was... Completely forgot about all that. I think that was what was going for. Well, maybe that's, that was the part of that story. Like, you're supposed to forget about all that stuff. Wow. In the same oh way God. they forget about I forgot about, about Mamiko. Miki- Mamiko as well. I forgot her, too. Yeah. I'm sure that like her family is like back to being her family once she returns though. So it's like nothing happened. That? Yeah, they just evened out their ages. <laughs> Chrono Trigger vibes too. I don't get your nerd references. I'm a cool guy. I don't play fucking lame ass 
JRPGs, Cal. Oh yeah, I forgot you didn't play Chrono Trigger, which is insane. But like, there's a there's a girl genius character in the show who's like Takai's age, roughly. Uh, she sort of reminded me of him in the time travel stuff. Obviously, I dug it. I liked this. Yeah, I thought it was a good special. I'm, uh, we'll cover the rest of the specials when we have to fill a one episode space. I think they're a fun break from it. We get to catch up on some of Oyama's past work, which is fun. Yeah, that next one's dope. Stylistically, <laughs> anyway. you, I didn't really did like keep the story. Watching? Yeah, I watched all of them. Oh, no. you watched all of them? Well, like within the part one. <laughs> so, like, oh, okay, I think there's three of them in there. Yeah. No wonder you were late to record. Yeah, I thought we were doing all three of those. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it'd be strange if we only did the one short. I can't wait for the next one. Uh, the wandering red butterfly. Next one has a couple characters. Pretty yeah. sick. Some I got hyped when I saw it, one. so I was like, "Oh boy!" Yeah, so we'll cover those in the future. So you'll probably have to rewatch them, Kyle. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that'll do it for this episode. We've got a two-parter next week: the uh, ski lodge murder case. So that should be fun. Uh, you can follow the show at case underscore reopen on Twitter. Uh, make sure you subscribe uh, to the RSS feed on wherever you download your podcast. If you can uh, add a review on iTunes or whatever, we'd appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with some more Detective Conan. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.